Welcome to the Child Whisperer Podcast. I'm your host, Carol Puddle, author of the best-selling book, The Child Whisperer. And if you want to raise happy, successful, cooperative children, you are listening to the right podcast today. Thanks for joining me. The phones are open right now. You can call in with your parenting question. I would love to help you with your parenting goals. You can call 347-677-1963. You know, today's topic, I love it when I can challenge and bring insight to something we've deemed acceptable within the experience of parenting that I actually think is very damaging to children, but we um, don't have the foresight to see the follies, and that's when we label children in a negative way. So today's topic is how to take the terrible out of the terrible twos and threes. Now, I wrote about this in The Child Whisperer, that the experience of a toddler, especially uh, if you do not know their type of energy, there's the four types of children that I teach in The Child Whisperer. The type one is the fun-loving child. Their energetic expression is upward, light, buoyant, random, spontaneous. Type two, the the sensitive child, their energy expression is more subtle, gentle. Uh, It's more inward, where a type one is more outward. Type three is that push forward, uh, substantial, more intense energy. And type four, we call the type three the determined child. And type four I call the type four child the more serious child, and their energy is more, again, um, reflective, very focused, and very linear. And it's from my observation of toddlers, type 3 children between ages 2 and 3, their energy is bigger than them. They have a big movement. They are, they are active in the world. And so they're engaged to they're engaged in the physical world, which is their preference anyway. So they're going to be the most commonly labeled in this reference as being the terrible twos and threes, because they're going to be a challenge at this age when not given the proper support. They don't need to be as challenging when certain choices are made and environments are considered. And so we can lessen the challenge. I could just say, well, you know, you're going to have to learn to live through it. Good luck. But there are many things you can do to take the terrible so these toddlers are not overwhelming you. And I I reference type 3, the determined child, is the most commonly labeled in this reference. But any child can be a challenge if not given the proper support from parents that brings out this angst and this stress. So let's look at that. You know, we tend to think somehow when you label a child terrible, terrible twos and threes, that they have a a cognitive um, intention that they are actually conspiring against you, that they're actually willfully trying to make your life miserable. So I just want to remind parents that we're talking about toddlers. They're two and they're three. Now, you will see some repeated patterns in their response to you when they're under stress. So when you perceive them, when you project onto them that the issue is them, you need to bring it back to yourself, that what are the choices that I'm making in my parenting 
that are causing my child to be um, in stress that's then influencing them to respond to me in a way that's overwhelming and challenging. So I'm going to repeat that question because that brings it back to the cause. When you look at your child as the cause and your overwhelm and stress and frustration is the effect, you've missed a huge piece. The cause that creates the effect in your child is a parenting style. So that question again, what choices am I making in my parenting method that's causing my child to now be in stress? So the effect is they're difficult and overwhelming and I feel really stressed as a parent. So as you ask the question, insights will be shared with you. So make sure you ask questions a lot. And who are you asking them to? God, the universe. Uh, there's a lot, the intelligence that's all around us. And you're asking for insight. You're asking for inspiration. It's good to, you know, don't answer your own question because most likely your own answer will be limited. So put it out there and see what inspiration comes. So I want to thank um, our, today I have a success story I want to share. And this is from, this is a follow-up. This is sort of how they do from a question a type 2 mom sent in a few weeks ago. Her question was, my type 3 two-year-old daughter moves a lot and sometimes will climb around when we are at restaurants and stores. I guess I just need reassurance that this is okay. This is her success story. I listened to the podcast where Carol answered my question, and I have been more mindful of my two-year-old daughter's energy. I was out on a day trip last week with my parents and daughter. We ended up having lunch at a buffet, which was much better for my type 3 little girl. Since there is no waiting and you can just get up and load your plate and come back, it was so much easier for her to participate in the meal. I have come to expect that meal times are going to be very short with my daughter. When she's done, she's done. So we took her outside where there was a cornfield next to the restaurant. I let her run for about 30 minutes. I challenged her to a race to the, back to the car, which she enjoyed. Everything went smoothly. The only, thing, the only thing is she was very unhappy to get back into her car seat. I often try to distract her when putting her in the car seat, but it just seems to make her more upset. Any advice on this area would be so appreciated. Thank you, Carol, for your help. I don't know what I'd do without the child whisperer. I showed my mom the book, particularly the type 3 passages, and she found a lot of helpful advice, too. Thanks again. I just want to applaud you, Mom. Thank you for um, considering that your daughter is too young to, to expect so much sitting still out of her and that you were compliant, you know, you really were considerate of her energy and not comp you know, putting her in a compromised situation so then you think you have to discipline her. And as far as the car seat, what can you do to make the car seat more engaging for her? You know, I know type 3 children actually do enjoy watching little videos on your phone. If you have a smartphone, you can load up a video. So you save certain activities for that car seat time. She'll be engaged in something because most likely just feeling like she's being restrained, but she needs to be engaged in something Um, so that she can make that an active experience for her as well. I know my daughter, Anne, with my granddaughter, Katie, quite often 
while she's in her car seat, they'll let her watch the different play with watch little videos on their phones or an or a tablet. So that has been helpful as well. So let's get back the terrible taking the terrible out of terrible twos and threes. First of all, I invite you to not use that reference. So you don't have to uh when you talk about your kids, first that's my first tip. When you talk about your kids with other people, don't don't reference this sort of age old sort of become culturally acceptable parent parents that talk this way referencing their children. I'm amazed at what I hear parents say to kids. It's just um a little shocking to me as those children are so resilient from a parent's rudeness or from a parent's demeaning reference and negative label. I just spent last week at Disney World for portions of the week while I was in Orlando and you know, I, I just hear what parents say to kids and I'm like, wow, it's just these are human beings that are forming an opinion of themselves. What kind of opinion are they going to have of themselves by why, how you talk about them, especially when your children hear you talk about them to other people. And to just, out of fun, to say, yeah, my child's in the terrible twos. I'm really experiencing the terrible twos or the terrible threes. You know, oh, and going on and on. See, you're going to create more of what you don't want because you're putting so much energy on it. And your child will then show up and play the part for you and make you right and go, Whenever you have those kind of really energized conversations about anything that you're experiencing with your children, watch. Watch what shows up for you. Within 24 hours, you're going to have an experience of what you just spoke of. And you can say to yourself then, there it is. I just created more of that. I just put more energy on that. And, of course, I manifested that. And so be mindful of how you talk about your children with other people. It does come back to you magnified so um, it's not right in um, honoring of your children anyway to speak of them in ways that minimize their value so my first question comes from a type 4 mom she writes what advice can you give me for dinner table battles when my older boys a type 4 7 year old and a type 1 5 year old were resistant to eating meals we simply set parameters and goals for them which is very type four of you. I want to say, mom, you know, type four mom, parameters and goals. So you put a structure in place, okay? Of course, your type four, seven-year-old is going to respond to that. And, more, and your type one, five-year-old who's adaptable can be adaptable to that. So, for example, she says, if you eat your chicken and three bites of broccoli, then you will have earned your dessert. My daughter is three years old and a type three. She will sit down at the table and announce, I don't like this dinner. I don't want any dessert either. I hate dessert. I'm not going to eat any bites of anything. What's the best way to handle the situation and honor my daughter's type three nature? Okay, so you're a type four mom. You're going to automatically think, what, what other structure can I put in place here? What other parameters can I employ here? And I want to go back to how you've been doing it. I am going to give you some feedback on how you've done it with your other children because you're actually going to create some uh, issues around food for them that are unnecessary. So you're making the better choice, the, the reward is the dessert. 
and you're minimizing then their appetite or their appeal to broccoli and chicken because now you've said dessert is what you're going for here. And when parents do that, you now give a lot of value to sugary foods. You give a lot of value to what's not as healthy. And when you give value to healthy foods, children will put value on them. So you're, uh, you may, you know, again, you, this wasn't your question, but I really think this is really important for parents to see that what kind of value do you place on different food experiences? And as we put more value on unhealthy foods, our children create a perception of those foods and say, these are the foods that I have a preference for. They have more value to me. And so how can you make chicken and broccoli more valuable? How can you take away food from the experience? For example, daughter, um, I think the issue here so much isn't the food. I think it's feeling overwhelmed by you being a type 4 mom, and this is where she's pushing back at you. That you she feels overwhelmed by parameters and structure in her world, and this is a space that she's pushing back at you saying, I don't, I don't function this way, mom. I don't have any interest in how you do things. That's not how I do things. This, she can't sit there and say as a three-year-old, Mom, that's not how I operate. You know, I need to be more um, intuitive with my eating. And, I, again, I don't think the issue is the food. I think it's how it's being handled. But she's feeling boxed in. She's feeling overwhelmed with structure. And that needs to be, you know, and that's just a place where she's now pushing back at you. So I I would suspect there's a lot of, do you expect this child to make their bed every day? Do you expect this child to always um, have an immaculate space? I mean, how much containment is she experiencing? So I'm inviting you to look at the bigger picture of her world and say, where in my daughter's experience is she over in overwhelm with my way of parenting her as a type four? Because you're going to believe, you will believe as a parent that more parameters, structure, rules, guidelines are better. You're going to think, of course, that's better because that's you. So read the type three section again. What's best for your type three daughter? Compare what you're doing with what you read in the book in the type three determined child section. Really evaluate yourself. How much of what Carol said, I mean, parents will read the book and say, okay, I get it. My child's type three, but I'm going to keep parenting true to who I am. And you haven't made enough adaptations in your parenting style with her. And it's showing up in this space in your, in the food. Because what she's saying, I don't like this dinner. I don't want any dessert either. She's saying, I don't like all your rules and your structure, and I can't keep this up, and I feel really stressed. So I'm not going to participate in any of it. That's what she's really saying. And so it's not about it's not about just eating her food. So two tips there for you to work with. Um, let us know how that goes for you. So the lines are open. Give me a call, um, 347-677-1963. I'd love to talk to a couple moms today that uh, please uh, dial in and let's have a chat so I can help you. 
So let's go to my next email question, another a type 3, 2-year-old. And this is from a type 1 mom. See, now it's interesting. These are, so far, we're talking about type 3 children when we are talking with about this getting rid of this terrible reference to children. And she says, I'm a type 1 mom with a 2-and-a-half-year-old type Three secondary four boy. He is one of three children that we have been able to adopt as a baby. Lately, he has been exhibiting some aggressive behavior towards his 11-month-old type 3 brother. My two-year-old is hitting, pushing, kicking, jumping, and sitting on the 11-month-old. Despite my best efforts, I can't seem to make it stop. I redirect and distract him as best as I know how, but it's not doing the trick as I would hope. Any ideas or suggestions would be welcome. You know, you have to take more extreme measures don't let him have access to the baby so whether you put the baby um yeah personally i think play pens have their place um they you could put the baby inside a play pen where he can't connect with him so you're not having to constantly intercept this he's only two and his ability to show you're now going to go through a phase of teaching how to be gentle how to touch a baby, how to interact with a baby. Consider the possibility of hitting, pushing, kicking, jumping. He's, that's his primary energy is pushing. And again, rather than see this as a willful act, uh, what opportunity do you have to teach this little boy how to be more gentle? How do you treat a baby? Why would you think a two-and-a-half-year-old would know, type three, two-and-a-half-year-old would have that information and insight. They need your guidance. How do you treat a baby? How do you touch a baby? How do you, This is how we touch the baby. This is how we treat the baby. Oh, good job. Look how that's awesome. Look what you've done. That's right. There you go. And then give time to it. Sit down with your two children. You know, make, make some time for your two-and-a-half-year-old to teach him this. Maybe he wants to have more contact with his his sibling. He'd like to interact. He needs your to be the mediator there. Schedule, you know, 10, 15 minutes on a daily basis to say it's baby time. Come here, you know, here, I want you to interact with your sibling and teach him. Teach him how. So don't see this as aggressive behavior that's willfully him willing himself against his sibling saying, I don't like you, you know. Again, you, if you call it that, if you put that perception on it, you could turn it into that. But I'm not getting that. I just think he doesn't know how else to interact with the, the I'm trying to see, is the baby a boy? I don't know if the baby is a boy or a girl. That's why I keep saying sibling. So he needs to be taught. Opportunity to create some bonding, some interaction with the two siblings and for you to be the one to make sure that you've created a space and time to allow that to happen. And then as he, on his own, is able to exhibit that kind of um, ability, that ability to engage physically with his brother in a more conscious way, because he's learned how to do that, then you can keep acknowledging that. Good job. You know, you've done a great job there. You really appreciate his uh, that he's learning. You see, you recognize his learning and that he's growing and he's understanding. 
Uh, here's a question from another type four mom. It says, hello, Carol, my son. No, the, actually the child is a type four. Hello, Carol, my son is a type four, almost two-year-old, and he is really giving me a hard time. He has always been a mama's boy, but lately it's gotten worse. He fusses and cries for me a lot. I try to communicate empathy and give choices, but he just gets more angry. He doesn't talk much and uses a few signs to communicate with me. One thing is that he won't willingly lay down for me when I need to change it, but he will for my husband. My husband thinks that I can handle our son and it is hurting our marriage. My husband thinks that I can't handle our son and it is hurting our marriage relationship. I stay home with the kids and this has become really stressful even the point of giving me anxiety, any insight would be helpful. Thanks for from a type 2 mom. So, again, I've mentioned this in other podcasts that you're trying to deal with this from an emotional place where your child just needs you to kind of take the upper hand in things and just say, uh, be real clear. Uh, this is what we're doing. We're going to lay there. I'm going to, that you do need to, that you're actually going to a more, I need to be more sensitive, I need to give more, I need to be more empathetic. It's like, no, you just need to say, this is how it is. Draw the line. He's a type four child and say, mommy's going to change your diaper. That's not okay. Laying still is what, lay still. Lay still. Good job. So again, you're trying to become, you're kind of, he's, the point of power is with your two-year-old and you're husband is looking at that and thinking, you know, this is where your type 2 energy gets perceived as a weakness. Because he's saying you're weak. You can't handle this child. This is a weakness. It's like, no, it's not your weakness, but it's not the best method for you to employ with your type 4 toddler because he needs to be taught on the parent and this is an acceptable request. When you, I change your diaper, you lay still. And he then respects you. So what do you need to do to engage respect from your toddler that type fours is they're respected they give respect in return and they will be obedient to people that they hold in respect that they see as an appropriate authority in their world that they want to do things that creates positive feedback so what you're doing is more from your nature not enough reference to your child's nature and so make that switch and your when you say, I stay home with the kids, uh, what time are you giving to yourself? Uh, listen to the podcast, help. Uh, I need, how do I support myself as a mom? There was a lot of type 2 feedback for type 2 moms in that podcast. How much of that are you implementing? Because giving more of yourself is not always the best. Giving, being with your children more often overlooking your own needs, that's not always the best decision because now you're under stress and a stressful mother is not the most supportive mother. It's dysfunctional and you need to make healthy choices so that everybody is feeling balanced because things get out of balance because now you're doing overs thinking that's what's the better choice. So... Appreciate that question. Here's a great question for the toddler phase. We've got a couple of things going on in toddler phases. One of them is um, if your child has used a pacifier, giving up the pacifier, how do you do that? It says, my three-year-old type 2 son still uses a pacifier at night. 
The dentist said we need to work on getting it away from him because it's starting to give him an overbite. And I don't know I if that's – I don't know. I haven't researched that enough to say, yes, pacifiers create overbites. I don't know. I, I'm not going to say yes or no to that. said our youngest is about a year younger than my son, and that has made taking the pacifier away more difficult because there are so many around. He just takes one of the babies. The youngest is approaching two years old now, so I want to take the pacifier away from both boys at the same time. Any tips to make this easier? He finds a lot of security in his pacifier. I'm a type 1 mom. Okay, so your management of the pacifier is going to be more more random. There are going to be a lot of pacifiers around. My feedback to you is that your child, the three-year-old child, I don't know the two-year-old's type, but for the type 2 three-year-olds, to do it cold turkey all at once is too extreme. It needs to be done. I'd recommend you do it in phases. Phase one, you eliminate it. Um, you only you eliminate it for the majority of the day, and you maybe give it to him for comfort time, or when he goes to bed. So you designate what, where can this still be available, and then there's no pacifier the rest of the time. And you actually communicate that. You let him know this is the plan. And this is the plan that we're going to only do the pacifier during these times. And your challenge is going to be sticking to the plan and not just, oh, whatever, giving in so or letting things play out randomly. So you need to determine a plan that's best for your child and then phase it out over time in, I'd say, a two- to three-month period. So give it some time to phase out and consider the fact what will be some of your challenges in being a type 1 mom that um, what inconsistency do you need to allow for so that you incorporate that as well. And you can be successful in a two- to three-month window eliminating the pacifier for both children then. I don't know the two-year-old's type, but if you want to do them together, uh, you might need to consider variables depending on their type but this is my suggestion for the type 2 that you were specifically wanting feedback for uh, another shout out for callers I'm only going to be on for maybe five if we get more if we get callers today I can stay on longer three four seven six seven seven one nine six three and then you need to hit one on your phone and there was a question that came in this week about a mom that had a toddler, and I want to I want to address this because one of the things for type three toddlers is they're very physical, very determined, and they can do some pretty uh, things that as parents you go, you know, I you're just leaving you in overwhelm. And there was a question that had come in about a toddler that would get into things that even, you know, climbing on the counters, getting into cupboards, taking out food, mixing up concoctions, uh, just really things you would think it seems to it seems an extreme. So then you think your child is is just there's something wrong with my child because they just they go way beyond anything I've ever seen or could expect from a child of this age. And my grandson, who's a type three, and he's actually five and a half now, he exhibited this kind of behavior at age two and three. 
and I've mentioned this story in other podcasts, but I think this is a perfect space to repeat it. He was around three years old, and he had been graduated to a regular bed, so he was out because he started climbing out of his crib. So I figured, you know, the crib didn't have any purpose anymore. They brought him in a small toddler bed, and my daughter, they had to put him in his own room because he, this is why she had, she had to go to extreme measures. And they weren't extreme measures for him because this is what was required. So what's required for your child may look extreme for other children that wouldn't kind of push the boundaries. So in Joseph's case, if he was put in his onesie, he would unzip it and take off his diaper and then run around his room naked and get into all his toys. And he wouldn't go to sleep because he wasn't contained in any way. And he was still too young to kind of verbally explain to him so he could cognitively get this, this is what we're doing, you're going to bed, going to sleep, this will be your consequence. He wasn't able to, you know, that he was still young enough that that didn't compute well enough that it was uh, effective. So my daughter went to these measures. She put his onesie on backwards so he couldn't reach the zipper. She took everything out of his room but the bed, and she put the lock on the door on the other side so she would then lock, and she had a, um, she kept close access so she knew what was going on, and he would get up and run around, but he eventually he would just fall asleep. There was nothing to play with. He couldn't get out of his room, and so he went to bed, and he learned that's what, that is what was expected of him. We're going to bed. You don't take off your pajamas, you don't take off your diaper, and you don't play with your toys. So she removed all of the things he could interface with that would basically tempt him to make these other choices. She took away, eliminated those choices. And so what would that look like? Well, maybe you need to eliminate foods from, you need to put a lock on your pantry, put everything under behind the locked door. Or you've just got to go to extreme measure, so this is not accessible. They don't have access to it. And then she actually, one day, she kept certain foods, and she didn't have a pantry. They were living in a condo at the time. But she had an entryway closet, and she turned that into a pantry. And one day, she forgot to lock it. And there was a bin of wheat in there that he pried off the lid for. And she was in another room, and in a matter of, it wasn't long. I don't know the backstory. I just know once she sent me the photos of him dumping out the wheat, the wheat kernels, all into the entryway, into the kitchen area, and he was playing with them. She, uh, she didn't. I think she reprimanded him to a certain degree, but she knew a lot. You know, it was the trace, the oversight in her regard that. He had access to that. And again, he wasn't willfully doing this to upset his mother. He saw an opportunity to play with something that looked really engaging for him. And she had to kind of own that and say, I set him up. And he did, you know, no, it's not okay to do this. But to what degree, you know, as it played out, I think she kept it in a healthy perspective that she only dis 
you know, gave him the feedback and the disciplinary action that was appropriate for, I think, the portion that she could consider his and the other she had to see, well, you know, I didn't set the boundary in place so that he couldn't make his choice. And then she let him just play with the stuff for a period after that. She kind of joined him. You know, like they remember getting pictures of toy trucks and they were just like, well, let's have some fun. And my daughter's a type one, so she tries to see the positive in it, keep it light and happy, and she moved through that. And recently, in the last year or so, she had gotten into some, what I'd call just overwhelming her own parenting and had kind of lessened her standard for the quality of food she wanted her children to eat. And it got to the point where, again, this type 3 child, like all he wanted was gummy, you know, fruit snacks. And if she brought anything into the house like that, he would just push and push. You know, it's all he wanted to eat because he knew they had it in the in the kitchen. And he'd push and push her. And so she realized, I just can't buy that stuff. I, if I have it in the house, he will he will not let up. And so she started to make some really healthy food choices for her kids. And she kind of had to swing his diet to more healthy appetite. And the way she did it, she finally, rather than trying to convince him to eat it, she said, Mom, the best thing that worked for him was I had to just basically kind of starve him out. That said, this is what you get to eat or nothing else. And she said he got hungry enough that he just started to eat that food. It influenced his appetite so that he wanted those healthy foods and because he would just push back at her and say, you know, be very determined to try and break her down to get what he wanted because, he, again, she saw her influence in that, that she'd influenced his preference to certain things because she had allowed so much of it and she just needed to swing it. And within a few, just a it wasn't long that it shifted and and she would tell him, this is all you get to eat. It's either that or nothing. And she stuck to that. And he eventually just realized I'm hungry enough for this food and this is what I'm going to eat. He started to like it. So I have a caller. It's Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Sorry. I have a house full of kids, so I'm just warning you. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. So what's your question? Um, well, I actually have two questions. Um, okay. My first question is about my two-year-old type one. Um, and it's mostly, I, I watched your video the other day about like um, the quiet time during church or whatever, being you know, helping your kids to be yeah. quiet during church. Um, but I, my question, I guess, is what about at home, like when my baby is napping? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, type one and he gets really excited and likes to have fun and I'm totally, you know, okay with that. But like when it's nap time and I have a tiny little house and he's like screaming or, you know, being crazy and I'm like, okay, we got to be quiet. And I tried not to shush him as much lately after I watched that one video you did. Um, yeah, but he gets really mad and he's like, no, be quiet. Don't tell me to be quiet, you know, and. Well, that's her again being quiet and telling. Yeah, your you you your desire is that you just tell him to be quiet. That they'll just always respond favorably because they'll think, oh, baby's sleeping. I need to be quiet. Again, he's two years old and he can't compute all that. So, what can you engage? It's a little boy. Yes. Yeah. What can you engage your little boy in that will create quiet? So, my first thing is, um, is there a thirty-minute 
show that you can watch on the laptop with a headset that that's quiet. What can your child be doing that creates them to be quiet, that supports them in being quiet, rather than expecting a two-year-old to just willfully have the maturity to be quiet? So you need to come up with a strategy. Either maybe there's a one day a week they can go to someone's house to play. See, create variety, because I'm not suggesting you have your child watch a movie every day for three hours or how long nap time is. But what can we do at this point that along with teaching them how to be quiet to what can you set him up to just create quiet because he's engaged in activities that create a quiet experience. Yeah. Combine that. It's just too much expected for that length of time for that age. And so, you know, kind of mix that up and say, what, how clever can I be and create, um, activities and and engagement and then within that there can be 20 to 30 minutes of just quiet time where you choose which quiet activity do you want to participate in right to teach them quiet okay okay what what you're showing Um, yourself is just telling him isn't isn't working right right and he's not understanding that because what he's saying is Mom, this, he, this is what he's really saying because he doesn't have the words to say it. Mom, you're asking me to do something that's unreasonable. I'm only two, <laughs> and I'm a type one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, not so remember yeah. that whenever he says, stop telling me to be quiet. What he's really saying is, I'm overwhelmed. You're asking me to do yeah. something I can't. I can't do, Mom. It's not because I don't yeah. want to, but I just can't yet. He'll grow yeah. into it. Okay. Awesome. Um, so my other question is actually about my five-year-old, um, but it's kind of like been ongoing since she was a baby. So I don't know mm-hmm. if that's okay for me to ask you. Even though you're talking about like two, three-year-olds. Um, but she, what's her like, type? She's my type is two, and her type is two. So that I think is part of it. <laughs> Okay. Um, but she, she is just a super, like, whiny, crying, like, ever since she was a baby, she was, you know, colicky, and then she's okay. continued to just be weepy and whining, well, and, you know, and okay. it's just, like, draining. And I I'm do, I do have a, let me, let me answer your question real quick, since I got the insight, we are running, we're close to the show ending, but um, I talked with a, I got, I'm pretty sure I have a, a video, a blog video on the Child Whisper blog about how whining becomes their language. Whining is a language for a type 2 child. And Mm -hmm. I I saw this all play out one day when we were in studio, and I had a mom there that was a type, I don't remember the mom's type, but she had a type 2 child. The child was, I don't know, 4 or 5, and the child was whining. And the parent responded to the whines. And I realized Okay, this child has been supported in this long enough that it realized this is like their language. And I said, do you realize your child thinks this is how they can communicate with you? Because you respond to it. You respond Hmm. to it, and they've created this. It's a language now. It's actually something they think is required in order to be heard. Yeah, and so for you to look at that and say, how do I, how have I responded over the last five years that's, then supported my child in saying that this is what's required of them to be heard 
and noticed and their needs met, now how do I flip that? How do I now teach them that's not necessary yeah. anymore? <laughs> and not be disciplined for it because I guarantee you've had an influence in it. So it's almost like what can we do to clean this up without um, reprimanding my child but teaching them a healthier skill of communication? Right. See, so part of it is if she's getting disciplined in a you know in a way that it's this is unfavorable behavior, she'll get whinier. Right. Now yeah, her feelings right. are hurt. <laughs> yeah, because you've hurt her feelings. You know, type two. You got to think of the whole hurt feeling factor when how you approach discipline with a type two child to be much more sensitive in your approach. So that because what will happen is they if their feelings are hurt, you've disciplined her for whining. The whining gets bigger. Right. So think of it as a teaching her a new skill. Okay. So how, how, how do, do I do that in a way? <laughs> well, you just tell her. Um, let's. Uh, I want to teach you how to talk without. How? How would you teach someone a new language? You <laughs> tell yeah. them how to say it. <laughs> they say it right. Way. Good job. Yeah. Try saying it this okay. way. Here, let's practice this. Okay. And and just yeah. see it as an opportunity to teach her a new skill without because what you're doing is focusing on the whining and trying to stop it by focusing on pointing it out. Focus on what you'd rather have her do. Right. Okay. Focus on that and then praise it. Don't don't focus. Don't even bring up the whining. Don't like. Can you go a whole day without even saying the word whining? Stop whining. Okay. See what you're doing? Because if you keep saying stop whining, stop whining, stop whining, and I'm saying more whining, more whining. Yeah. Focus on what you want. Okay. Let's try this. It's interesting for you to kind of look at that and say, how often do you say stop whining? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah. I bet you heard that a lot as a child. Oh, uh, yeah. And these yeah. are these are just old programs, you know, that you don't even know it. It's kind of like, oh, wow, you know, I've, like, recreated my own, what I knew. Right. Well, <laughs> I think the other part of it is I don't, yeah. yeah, like, I don't know how to, parent a type 2 child because I don't think my parents knew how to parent a type 2 child you know so I'm like trying to do it the way they did it which obviously I don't feel like was super no, honoring no, for me again. but I'm like I don't have a good anyway <laughs> no you do know how all you have to do is ask yourself what have, what would I have wanted when I was five yeah, what would yeah. I have liked to have heard how did I do with my parents saying stop whining all the time did that honor me no I felt like I was the biggest problem in their life so right. it's really easy to know what you, your child needs. What did you need? And ask that question, and that's going to give you a ton of insight. For, thanks for calling in. Um, you can head on over to the Child Whisper blog, where this week you will find a wonderful post titled, To the Parents of the Louder Girl." I am the author of that post, as I am many of the, um, obviously, blog posts on the Child Whisper blog. I thank you all. There's already been 1,300 shares on Facebook for that. And then go ahead and head on over to the Carol blog, 
where you're going to find what this married couple can teach you about your communication struggles. Because the healthier your communication in your marriage, the healthier your family is overall. So thank you so much for calling in today, Rachel. I love answering your questions. You can call again next week, and you can send your questions to parenting at liveyourtruth.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. As a teacher, healer, speaker, best-selling author of The Child Whisperer, and mother of five children, Carol Tuttle is honored to help you take the power struggle out of parenting and better understand the children in your life. If you'd like Carol to answer your question, call in next time or email your question to parenting at liveyourtruth.com. Carol invites you to learn more about the four types of children at thechildwhisperer.com and connect with her at thecarolblog.com. If you haven't read The Child Whisperer yet, get your copy through the Child Whisperer website and enjoy happier, more successful, more cooperative children.